dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. Uh, mother's not here. She's not. We both wish she was. I know. And I'm uh, I'm actually thinking I'm probably going to be recording um, two or three well, here at with the conference no with Mother with Natalia. Noma Natalia. Now, this this I'm guessing it will, but this may not see the light of day because I did not share with her that I was doing a bunch of recordings <laughs> without <laughs> her. I just brought all the podcasting equipment um, to uh, to Seek. So we are at Seek 23. I will be recording uh, tonight on the Seek podcasting booth in the Seek podcasting booth uh, with uh, Cameron Frad. My uh, mm-hmm. We, of course, we tried to get Mother Natalia out here. She's a nun, so it didn't work. Um, we're too close to Theophany. And it's an then, important uh, feast day. It, it is a day of obligation for us. Um, I just got a text from a friend who was like, What are you doing Friday? We're going out. We're going to the show. And I'm like, I'm like Theophany, bro. He's like, Oh, sorry. Throwing crosses and lakes and stuff, right? I, exactly. Yeah. Well, we're doing that on Sunday. Okay, exactly. Good, good. So on Thursday night in uh, Sherman Oaks, we'll, we do the big water blessing in the church where uh-huh. we bless the, 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 um, Water for the year, the Jordan water we call it. We use it to bless homes. Uh-huh. We drink it, everything. And then uh, on Friday night, I'll do the same thing up in Santa Paula at my outreach. And then on s- Friday, Saturday day, we'll go bless the river outside of TAC in Santa Paula. And then uh, on s- Sunday after church, we'll go bless the lake near near our parish in, in LA. So that's great. A lot of blessings. I just I just need to go with the flow with it. I maybe I need an introduction introduction first before we're just jumping oh, into it. You know? Sure. You guys probably recognize the voice. Hopefully. Yeah. We, we tend to jump into things. I would have introduced <laughs> you at some point. Yeah, but, um, uh, so this is Father Travis Crotty. He's been on before. You guys know him. What was your topic? Oh, Mother Natalia and I talked about friendship, I think when I was on one time, okay. when I went out to the monastery to visit. Okay. Um, so this is different, just being with you. Yeah. No Mother yeah, Natalia, of course. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm a priest of Sioux City, Iowa. Um, I'm now the vocation director. I wasn't before. Congratulations. I've, yeah, thanks. I've only been a priest for a couple of years, but our vocation director became the rector of a seminary, okay. vice rector of a seminary, and Bishop asked me to be vocation director. Nice. So I'm at a high school in Sioux City and now trying to figure out what vocations ministry is, as yeah. you did for a long time. Yeah. Are yeah. you going to the NCDVD convention? I did, yeah. Did it was wonderful. Good. Yeah, that was yeah. great. That was really hopeful, being with brothers. And it's just like this at Seek, where being with other, yeah, just being with priests is so encouraging. Yeah. Uh, to realize, okay, you're not alone. Yeah, you have brothers in this. Yeah, they also don't know what to do. Right, but they're also being faithful to their to their yep. priesthood. Yeah, yeah. I think it's vocations in in some way, like any aspect of of a vocation, one of your vocations work, namely promoting, encouraging, supporting the the men discerning vocations of the priesthood. Um, I I I noticed that that ministry um, because it involves. Um, so much risk, <laughs> yeah. risk of getting it wrong. Yeah, I mean we yeah. we say we need we 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 whine about the bishops. We're like, well, the bishops came from the priesthood, the priesthood came from our seminaries, the and guys the seminaries, the seminaries came, came from, from the vocations. <laughs> well, we're right by the gate or the the the, the arch, you know, yeah. the gateway arch, the gateway, and it's like yeah. the my predecessor told me, you are the gateway yeah. for the diocese, you know, yeah. uh, the guys who you'll be brothers with in the presbyter for the rest of your life yeah. are the guys that you. Yeah, invite in um, to discern it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's an. It, I feel like I'm 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 still the assistant vocation director, but I've been a, I was a vocation director for years, and mm-hmm. I've been in the vocations office since I was ordained, and so I I oftentimes felt that my ministry in the vocations world of of again 
Um, we we well, vocation director, you know. Of, yeah. of, I think all our listeners know what that is. It's just again promoting, supporting, encouraging, and then walking with men through the the process of discernment of their vocation to the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I always felt like there was. Um, I'm I'm having my podcast this afternoon with Cameron. One of the questions I want to ask her, Cameron Fred, is you know what it's like being a mom mm. and just realizing how after years when your kids get as old as her kids are, how little control you have over them and, and mm-hmm. how you're just kind of watching what God does. And so in one sense, you're afraid of really messing things up. In another sense, you're like, I can't screw this up too bad. They're mm-hmm. gods, like God's in control. And I felt the same way. Like it's so important being a parent of a child because of like, you are the gateway to their rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, that's what we should be t- <coughs> telling parishes and parents of these vocations, like you're the gateway to us. You're the gateway yeah. to the vocation ministry. Um, you, you've been forming them. I guess it starts with parents, God, of course. It starts with God, then parents, then parish, then vocations, mm-hmm. then seminary, and then presbyterate, you know, mm-hmm. all the way up. And, and uh, all, it's, it's beautiful that there's so much, um, so many hands in the formation process, mm. which is good and discernment process. But there's also a, um, I find that, that, that paradox of saying, my ministry is so incredibly important. If I mess this up, I should have a millstone tied around my neck and cast into the sea. And yet God loves that person so much more than I love them that I can't screw it up too bad mm. because God's gonna, God's gonna fix whatever I mess up. And I feel like the same thing happens with parents for kids. Yeah, it's super cliche. And we're at you know, a college conference so all the cliche things are always brought up every single year. Yeah. But when the apostles are talked about, it, mm. it's always reassuring for priests. It's like, oh, the first guys. Yes. <laughs> we're just like, yeah, we're all mess ups. And I, it sounds so cliche when everybody talks about St. Peter, but it's true. It's like, and then when St. Paul's talking about, like I planted, Apollos watered, and another mm-hmm. one's going to bear the fruit. That's that. If that's how the apostles spread the gospel in yeah. the first century, yeah. it's got to be the same thing. Where yeah. it's like St. Paul himself, yeah, an earthen vessel yeah. filled with God's grace, yeah, just like surrendering to God's will. Yeah. I, I think that in here it's, it's interesting because you do walk around, and I recognize a lot of the priests here from NCDVD conventions. Yeah. So you'll you'll it's have your generation. Same. I've seen that. It's kind yeah. of the same crew. Yeah, it's the same crew. And then I recognize other priests from Denver. My first assignment. Mm-hmm. I recognize other priests um, from like social media. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's all these different worlds where you recognize priests from, and there, there's a very real sense of I need to remind myself that that we're all in this together. Yeah, and that there's a flowing stream of ministry within within the priesthood, and we all need to support each other's ministries mm-hmm. when when we do this. And I was talking, um, shout out to Father Kevin, um, he approached me today in the sacristy when we were vesting. Um, uh, I thought I recognized him from NCDVD, but I didn't. Oh. <laughs> um, he just he just knew me from the podcast. But um, he approached. So shout out to you, Father Kevin. I don't remember your last name. Sorry, but he he's Father Kevin from Ireland. Oh, um, I met Father Kevin too. Did you? Well, there yeah. we go. Yeah, nice. So do you remember his last name? Nope. Sorry, Father Kevin. Um, <laughs> but a wonderful Irish priest. He was a wonderful Irish priest. A, an a- epic beard that I am so incredibly yes. jealous of as well. Um, but anyway, he we were talking about a more epic accent. Yeah. Oh I yeah. Mean, to be fair, it, it all goes together well. Yeah. Um, well, well, in in the ministry and in the priesthood, um, so he he uses those things, the the beard and the act, and um, I hope Father Kevin that you use those well for uh, use them for good rather than evil, as I said. <laughs> But we were talking about, he said that he got moved, he, he got switched assignments the same time I did mm. three years ago. Mm. And so uh, when I was, my reflections upon just being obedient to the bishop when he moves you um, was, was you know, a spirit led moment for him mm. at the time. And so we chatted briefly about um, the tragedy of disobedience. You and I chatted about this a little bit last night too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, there's the, the, the tragedy of disobedience. You, you can have, when you look at the, the, the church as a whole, I mean, you, how many priests do you think are here at Seek? 
a few hundred, a few hundred, three hundred, something like that. Oh my like gosh, that. yeah, yeah. I, I, three, it, it's, yeah. it's incredible. The, the sea of priests and the, we process in four by four, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> which is four in a row, awkward and beautiful at the same time. Yeah, we, we don't never do it. So you're no. like, oh, how, how do I jump in here? Um, uh, I, uh, I was gonna, I was gonna. Not not do I was not going to do this. I was going to try to take a selfie with with um with for father for mother Natalia because when I started processing and I was next to Father Mike Schmitz and, and, and I was like, and I was I, I was just like I gotta I gotta take this selfie for her just to be like um like hey look who I'm standing next to Should but I then, be like low key about in the while processing that'd be impressive too a, yeah, a moving a moving <laughs> selfie is what oh, that would be it just been a blur and you're like no really that beautiful hair that actually is Father Mike Schmitz <laughs> I swear I should be so greatly criticized if I had done that if he he should have smacked <laughs> the phone out of my hand yeah crushed it with his phone anybody should have smoked exactly um, but, but your uh, point your point though that like this this sea of brothers yeah. we share the priesthood even in different rites um, but we're all brought together in this recognition that we're on the same team yeah yeah, just like these, and, and and we've been we've been having there has been priests for two thousand years yeah. in the church. So there's something about saying we need to be comfortable in this. We're standing on the shoulders of giants, to use the cliche, right? And those who came before us, we 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 have our parents, our parishes that came before us. We were prepared by a vocation director, by a seminary, all these things to get us where we are now. Mm. We don't know what's going to come in the future. That's a beautiful thing to have the the great unknown, and yet. The priests who you and I were talking about last night, I was talking to Father Kevin about today. The, we we we've seen the the curse of disobedience mm-hmm. of, of when some priest thinks that they know better than the church, mm-hmm. and and they 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 deny. Now again, the de- there, there's so much nuance here, right? What does it mean to be obedient to your bishop? Mm-hmm. When are you not obedient? When are you obedient? I'm not prepared to have that conversation yeah. right now. Um, I, I I kind of I kind of know what that is. I feel mm-hmm. it, but I could be wrong. And I think that the, we all need the, the priests who have been so obedient. They may say like, you know, well, I didn't have that feeling. Mm-hmm. I felt that I did the right thing. You know, so anyway, I don't want to get into that right now, but but there's something about I know priests that were explicitly disobedient because they disagreed with their with that bishop, especially when it came to very specific things the bishop asked them to do. Right. That 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 should have been carried out um by almost anybody in the church would have reflected upon that and said, no, you, you got to carry out what your bishop says. In this case, it's this nothing immoral, of course. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's just switching ministries or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, like like you going from pastor to vocation or yeah. you know parish to parish to vocation yeah, director yeah. or the other way around, you know. Yeah, just do it. Like our Lord will support that. But the 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 tragedy of of thinking that we know better than 2000 years of formation in the church and that we somehow get it right. Mm-hmm. And, and all of that, that's why it's so humbling to see all these brothers here. It is. And then you look at it and you say, okay, there's something, there's something that the, there's a lot of gravitas here and there's a foundation here mm-hmm. that I can even rest on in listening to the, letting the church guide the way that I bring the Holy Spirit to those who our Lord has called me to bring them to. I've been thinking about in a, yeah, a really profound way, like, we have seventeen thousand Catholics at a mass, and I've never been to World Youth Day, mm-hmm. so to get to have that yeah. experience here, I know that uh, uh, oh, what is it, NCYC uh, Youth Conference thing is huge, right? Okay. I've been to a lot of student little conferences, but just to pray with that many people, it's I, I had the thought a few times and shared with a few friends, I'm like, what the heck's heaven going to be like? Yeah, if the, yeah, if if the heavenly liturgy is what we're anticipating right yeah. now, um, but like the, I think that grace and like you just said, the gravitas of the blessing of obedience, right? Where there's that curse of disobedience, the blessing of obedience that you see in the brother priests, but also you see in just in focus as a, in a as a ministry, but yeah. as these individual missionaries too. Like they were all sent out to do their own thing, knowing because I mean, focus does it well, right? That they're like, 
we're all part of this one ministry. Mm-hmm. They're supported, and then they bring all these students together, right? That's so important for us as priests, because even in just a few years of priesthood, I've recognized, oh, the temptation to be isolated in our ministry is huge. Even yeah. if you're in a huge archdiocese with priests all over the place, right? Yeah. The temptation to live out of insecurity, the temptation to live out of competition yeah. or that kind of rivalry thing, that just kills what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And yeah. you can see right now with focus, it's like the Holy Spirit is able to work because in the church, in the life of the church, because there is this collaboration. Yeah. That these ministry, these missionaries, first of all, they're open to mission. Yeah. They're open to be missionary disciples. They're open to going to whatever campus they're sent to. They're open to being changed the next year if they yeah. across the country, yeah. across the world sometimes. Um, but it bears fruit like that obedience and that response to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Yeah. So what what I'm so encouraged by and I'm really hopeful for, it's like, man, if in our parishes, dioceses, eparchies, if like monasteries, if that can be the the way that we respond to the Holy Spirit in the same way, it's like, oh, let's yeah. see the church grow. Yeah. Yeah. And this is actually my question, one of my questions for you. Um, I, I look here and we'll use kind of the, the example of what we're seeing here. You know, uh, um, Bishop, Cardinal Dolan was supposed to preach this morning. Right. And he uh, is on his way. He's probably in Rome already for Pope Benedict's funeral, um, which is happening tomorrow as we record. Uh, but, but I thought, I looked up there and I said, you know, there's a bunch of bishops and archbishops up on the stage, probably like what? 10 or 12 or something. Ah, they say more than no that, more. I yeah. think, yeah. And uh, and they're up there and I thought, I look around and I know there's archbishops up there. Obviously, if there's a cardinal there, it's kind of weird to say, hey, cardinal, you're not celebrating and preaching, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But, but, so, but there was no cardinals. There was just, but there were a bunch of archbishops yeah. there. And who did they ask to preach in his place was um, Bishop James Conley mm-hmm. from from the Diocese of Lincoln, who I love. He was an auxiliary in Denver. I knew him very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, there's something about invitation. Because mm-hmm. I looked up there and I see the priests that are the priests that are on the alt on the altar area can celebrating, those are those are priests that, that, that work priests. for focus. Yeah. Exactly. Now, what an invitation. Part of me would love to be invited to be a focus priest, huh. right? That there's yeah. there's something about focus is such a, a powerhouse of a movement and it's it's in such a short time it's moved so many souls. Like I look up there and I go, Well, wouldn't that be nice? And then I think, okay, what about all the archbishops who didn't get invited to preach? Mm-hmm. Conley did, and he's not an archbishop, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like and he get, and and he's amazing and like mm. I was so glad that he was the one chosen and there's something about this invitation mm. that 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 is that can be disappointing we can we can move towards envy if we're not invited but my question for you um, having been in parish life for such a short time, yeah. having been a priest for such a short time, and now being a brand new vocations director, mm-hmm. have you prepared? <laughs> <laughs> after doing this for 18 years, yeah. both of those things, are you, are you prepared and do you have any any kind of newbie wisdom huh. to how to say no to a man mm. who wants to be a priest and you 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 mm. you see, and there's, there's various reasons, of course, why you would say no, but but if a man approaches you, what what do you, what is what is what have you thought about so far? Yeah, and I, I can add to this, of course. But and again, there's various reasons. I don't want to say blanket no, no. but but if you, if you have a man and you you just kind of said I I just I'm not I'm not feeling I've been put in this role by the bishop. Mm-hmm. It's my job to discern by talking, praying, engaging with him, also reflecting upon my own ministry and knowing the priesthood as I do. Yeah, how do I say no to someone that I don't that that I, I should put it this way that that is going to thrive in the body of Christ in a different way? Mm-hmm. And and I've been called, I feel, to be the one to say I think your role is something else other than what you've approached me to ask for. Yeah. Well, a good question that I'm asking myself, right? And then I'm asking brothers too. So I'm grateful to actually talk about this a little bit. 
I think parishioners, maybe the listeners too, would be kind of surprised to even have that idea, right? Mm-hmm. I think they look out and they see, okay, we have this sh- pre-shortage. Yep. So you're telling me that yep. there are guys who approach <laughs> you who say, I want to be a priest, and you're telling me that there are vocation directors out there that say no. And I think with a resound, absolutely. It's like, yeah. why? Okay, because we know what happened in 2002. We know what happened in 2018. Yep. We know just like the history of the like broken humanity that's present. So what's hard is like, you want quality pastors, parishioners, like you want quality fathers, mm-hmm. right? Just like you have quality husbands, like those who are wives and mothers. You want these quality men. And there's just like, yeah, it's a different world and there's new thresholds of maturity um, and growth. That's kind of, yeah. and that's said in so much humility because it's like, I'm just a kid. I'm yeah. still growing. I'm not perfect. I've got my own flaws. Um, so I think first of all, before, yeah, you know, because there's all these different like, of course, like the obvious like red flags people talk about sometimes that you're kind of looking for in a guy, but you're not just looking to like kick a guy out. You're really looking to say, is the Lord calling this man? Yeah, exactly. In freedom. Yeah. And so what I've just noticed my time in seminary for so long and brothers who were discerning, right? And this is the language of seminary that a lot of people don't realize. We often don't talk about guys dropping out. It's like a guy discerns into seminary formation yeah. and might discern out of seminary mm-hmm. formation. And I think in the, in the Roman church, obviously that happens frequently. Um, more dioceses, more seminaries, more guys. There's a big question of celibacy that's always on like a young man's mind and heart. But I think the freedom to see, so many of my friends, I've seen guys who've run away from seminary. I've seen a lot of guys who've run to seminary to kind of hide from the world and their problems. And then a lot of guys who've stepped either away from seminary or stepped even further into formation toward the priesthood in freedom. Yeah. So the biggest question, um, this is so funny, a monk at conception where I went to college seminary, he guys would the, a famous line, like a very like cliche line that college seminarians use is God willing. Everything's God willing. So it's like, well, God willing, I'm a priest. I'm going to, you know, like go by father, last name, yeah. father, first name. God willing, you know, someday I'm a priest. I'm going to wear this vestment or that, whatever. But then it's even like, well, God willing, I like, you know, step out of the doorway tomorrow. And he just said, he's like, yeah, duh, of course, God willing. He said, <laughs> but you have to will it. You have to want it. Yeah. You have to decide. You have to choose. Um, so I think the first thing is just, what do you want? Like, what do you actually want? Yeah. Are you here because in seminary you're like approaching because there's some sort of expectation that you're trying to fulfill? Are you here because there's some sort of, um, maybe, yeah, maybe it's like the safe place, you know, you just like like, like serving mass, right? Mm-hmm. You're just like really safe here. Um, or is there a desire that's continuing to grow? You know, that's the thing to pay attention to. Is there a real desire yeah. to be a priest? Because like, I think sometimes people assume that it just kind of magically zaps into our like mind mm-hmm. or heart or something. Um, even here at Sea Conference, there's even that idea. It's like all I have to do is just like sit in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, mm-hmm. and like bam, then like I'll, I'll somehow know my vocation. Or people yeah. often ask because I did enter seminary at a high school. Oh, when'd you know? When'd you know you want to be a priest? I'm like, when I got ordained. Yeah. Like, and that's what a lot of guys say. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think just in, in response to that question first, just like, how do you say no to a guy? I think the first question is just asking like, well, what do you actually want? Yeah. Do you want to be a priest? Because yeah. there's so many guys, unhappy guys in seminary where it's like, man, yeah. you, don't, you don't have to be here if you don't want to be here. You yeah. know? Um, is the Lord inviting you in freedom? I think that, that, that would be a great answer, a little hint to the listeners. Um, 
think about this too. I, I I think there's a there's when I started seminary, my vocation director said to me, just make sure that you're you're here to be formed. Yeah. Like you're not ready. Mm. Like you you are here to be formed. You you would not make a good priest if you were ordained now. It's like we have this um in the Byzantine uh, church, we have this antimensian. It, it, the, yeah. the relic is in a got, piece of cloth. I've got you one. have one. Amen. So you know what it looks like, yeah. right? So you, you, it opens. So you keep it's for anybody in Byzantine who wonder why does Roman priests have one? It's because <laughs> it's because well, it was the it was the 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 bishop of Pittsburgh. Okay. During uh, the sixties, I think it was during um, uh, in anticipation of Vietnam. Okay. He oh. he consecrated a lot of them and nice. gave them the Roman priests so that they would have portable altars. Nice. One got passed down to me. Okay, that's so great. Anyways. Amen. Yeah, and and uh, that's a that's a that's a great because you can actually use it as yeah. a priest. Um, so and the Antimensian is given by a bishop. Um, generally, like this is an exception, of course, because yeah. of the war. Um, but 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 the uh, the generally they're given to us. So like I'll get a new one when I get a new bishop. I'll actually bring in the old one and he'll take the relic out of it. And your name's on it. And he signs it. Right? He's uh, the parish. Oh, Every the parish, parish the building has one. Yeah. So you can also do it with with a priest. Mm. So in the ancient church, as I understand, the the priest did receive one. As kind of his um, his proof that he was a priest, huh. the bishop gave this to you, so you you had it as your what's the word that you Romans use? Oh, um, the card. Oh, oh, oh like a celebrate. Ch- yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a celebrate. So like yeah. it was like you. The priest carried it around. Like this is the sign that bishop has given me permission to celebrate huh. the Eucharist. Um, so anyway, so you you have this antimensian. So it's kept folded under the gospel book generally in the parish where it has this name that is named on that antimensian. So when when the gospel is over, when the cons- when the anaphora begins, the consecration, the priest takes it and he opens it up after the litany of catechumens mm-hmm. because there's an icon of Christ dead on it, mm. and that is such a scandal that God mm. um, in in God's Son would die mm. that that you keep it closed like hidden mm. until only the faithful are there. Then you open it up, but the the there's a relic in it. Because it's like symbolizing the martyrs. We've talked about this in other episodes. But um, what happens is, is since we use leavened bread, mm-hmm. and because you are you're putting it on the discos, there's sometimes that some of the some of the bread before and after the anaphora, mm-hmm. both so bread and Jesus will fall off and on like by accident, of course, mm-hmm. and it's it's there to catch it. Yep. So the, there are priests who who I have seen you, and this is I, I this sorry this is insider insider baseball here. This should not happen, but it does sometimes. You go to a visiting priest parish and you open it up, and there's Crumbs. particles of the Eucharist yeah. in there. So you know that's our Lord. Now it never leaves the altar. Mm-hmm. So our Lord's always on the altar. That's one of the reasons why it's kept there. But you go, oh, he had bad eyesight or whatever, and he missed it. Well, one thing that I, I will see some priests do is they will they will um, consume the Eucharist right when they open it. Mm. Now. I used to do that too. Hmm. And I've seen many priests do it like because they want, oh, there's the Eucharist there, let me consume it. You don't want to leave it there, yeah. Right, but you don't want to leave it there. But- I, I got thinking, and may, maybe I should be corrected if this I'm wrong, but but the, we need to trust the process of the liturgy. Huh. So I'm not ready to receive the Eucharist mm. until, because like there's an actual explicit part of the liturgy that says the preparation of the faithful to receive. Mm-hmm. So we actually are prepared over the course of the mass of the divine liturgy to receive. We don't walk into the building ready to receive. Mm-hmm. That's why the Roman church requires, of oh, some diocese at least, that you're there at least for the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. To, before you can receive. So I don't just walk in the door ready to receive. I, I am prepared. My heart, my soul, my body is prepared to receive over the course of that time. So now I, I will, I will take it and I will 
put those particles on the discos of mm. unconsecrated bread, mm-hmm. or I'll put them in the chalice of unconsecrated wine just to get them off the, the or I'll just kind of move them into one little place where I can see them mm-hmm. and I'll consume them afterwards. But I, I, I have to say, I need to trust the divine liturgy mm. that it is like, the, to, for 2,000 years, this liturgy has prepared priests and faithful to receive the Eucharist. Just like in the Byzantine church, we say the Trisagian prayers for parents mm-hmm. to say they are Father, right? Well, who am I to say that I can receive the Eucharist now? I need to trust the process that has been in place for hundreds of years, then I can receive it. Even mm-hmm. if it's just a particle on the Antimensian, mm-hmm. then I can receive it. I think the same is true for any sort of formation. Yeah. Marriage prep, mm. engagement time, mm. you know, the nine months that you're pregnant before you have your kid, seminary formation, all of these things you say, when uh, if if somebody I wish I had said this if if somebody had said um, what do you want to do in, in this vocation that you're asking about I said I want to learn how to be a priest mm. like not I want to be a priest I want to learn how to be a priest because yeah. because I I need to trust the formation I want to find out in formation if I'm called to this and I'm going to trust formation to tell me that and to prepare me body mind and soul for this possible vocation but I have to trust the process of the vocations director the seminary my bishop my brother priests. And, and the entire formation process going all the way up. No, I think that absolutely relates to just like people's lives. I don't know how much time we got left. We got a tight schedule. We got about six minutes. Good. We'll wrap it up this way then. Tight schedule with these, uh, how, you know, trying to, all, it's funny, all these different podcasts trying to like meet together and record and stuff. <laughs> um, so doing the Mother Natalia thing of connecting it to, you know, like people's lives. Um, there we go. <clears throat> there's kind of a pop psychology thing of saying trust the process mm-hmm. these days. Exactly. But it is it is so true, and yeah. it's hard to say, and it's hard to say for me now, right? Because even trusting the process of like young priesthood, and I, I know you you said often, Father, that um, that I think it was uh, Archbishop Chaput who kind of challenged you, like you're a good young priest, yeah. But how are you going to like? How are you? Gonna, and I'm feeling the same thing, right? It's like you're very nice. He actually said to me, "You're going to be a horrible old priest unless you." Exactly. Well, I didn't say that. I didn't say the second half, right? You're a nice old priest now. No, you're not an old priest. Don't worry. Um, I'm getting there. But I've got to trust that process in myself too. And I was I was just praying that in mass today. It's like trusting the process of conversion. I love. I was with the Benedictine monks, and like they make that additional promise mm-hmm. of poverty, chastity, obedience, but also like this. Benedict had this idea, like, yeah, continuing. Conversion, and that's how the okay. that's oh. how the monks in the East would have lived, okay. right? Yeah. Just this constant metanoia, oh, yeah. right? And I, I realized, recognized that myself. I'm like, oh, just because I finished seminary, right? Or just because a couple's now right. through marriage prep, right. it's like, no, now the metanoia starts. Yeah. Like that, now it actually begins. Um, but I think that's the invitation for everybody, no matter the state in life. Mm-hmm. Trust this process, and even a guy. If, if there's guys out there, you know, who who are in that tight spot of maybe a diocese has rejected you or you've been in that place of you're not sure what you're supposed to do. Okay. Trust the process that's handed, that's given to you both. Like, you know, we're mind, body, soul. So it's like mind, body, spirit. It's like, use the process. So we have this process. God's given us this, his grace, right? He's communicated himself through his son, Jesus, like fully Jesus through his church. His church is broken, a bunch Mm -hmm. of like sinful men and women, but like also, the body of Christ, yeah, yeah, like where we encounter Him. You know, I, I, I think the, one of the ways for you and I, as vocations directors, to to understand this better, and I think I hope every bishop's the same way because he, of course, has the ultimate word, is that to reflect upon the times that we've been told no. Yeah, and and to say like, did I embrace that? Did I accept it? I mean, like, I did something very unusual with the permission of my spiritual director, which I never would would rarely advise when I was in Denver. I, I went up to a bishop and asked him to stay. Mm. I said, I'm a member of the Companions. My family's here. We have all this going in the parish. I, mm-hmm. I would like to stay here because I know I've been here a long time mm-hmm. and I know that you're considering moves. I would like to stay in Denver. And the word I received was no, mm. no. 
And, and, and there's been times when I, I failed out of Thomas Aquinas. It was a, mm. you want to stay here? No, no. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I, I've thought back on those things um, and said, you know, the other times too where I've, where I've been told no by the church and I have to just trust it. Mm-hmm. And I think when we, when we are in a position like you and I are, where we have to to say, I I I feel God is calling you to something else where you're going to thrive more mm. than you would if if we kind of awkwardly guided you through this vocation that push, we don't yeah, feel you jump, have. Jump through the yeah. hoops, push yeah. you through the system. Yeah, and obviously the the many men that have left the priesthood, whether whether you now that doesn't always mean that they didn't discern well. Mm-hmm. Of course, they may have discerned very very well. The and then they discern something else, and, or, and the devil's there, and, and you know yeah, there, there's and a, lived poorly. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's many different reasons why, but but if I think if we who who have to say no sometimes and parents mm-hmm. same thing. I, if you're a parent, right, you've got to say no to your kid all the time. Reflect on the times that you've been told no, especially by as an adult, by a legitimate authority. And do we go, okay, I I I may be right here, I may be wrong. Obedience, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna I'm gonna follow along with this. And I told somebody the other day, I think if the whole reason God sent me to Thomas Aquinas, even though I messed it up, I failed. Like I could have I could have succeeded, of course, mm-hmm. I failed, but. One of the reasons why God let that whole thing happen was because now, you know, twenty something years later, I'm back in Santa Paula, mm. and I, I, my, my connection to Thomas Aquinas, even though I was there for a year, has borne great fruit mm-hmm. in my ministry. And I would say I would do it, all the tension, all the anxiety, all the, all the uh, denial, all the rejection. I would do all of that over again mm. because now I see twenty years later. What what God may have used it for was that I could be a better priest to these individual people in this specific place where mm-hmm. I've been sent. Mm-hmm. That's just to kind of wrap up with like uh, the keynote last night. Father Mike Schmitz was mm-hmm. just talking so much about who Jesus says He is, and if He is who He says He is, and we have to believe Him, we can't just have our own kind of perspe- per, you know perception of who God is yeah. and carry that around, yes. right? Um, even with your you know apophatic theology of what God is not, yeah. right? But it's it's also like. Who, who's he revealed himself to be? Yeah. And who is he in relationship with us, yeah. right? And that his encouragement was relationship is real relationship, right? Not the relationship that we want it to yes. be. And that part of that is that, yeah, growing in surrender, growing in trust, but growing in sort of accepting the no's and accepting the yeses. But I think the biggest thing is just to recognize that God's faithful. Mm. And we we don't believe that all the time. We don't, you know, I was with, a, I was a priest the other day and we were with this couple and they're kind of asking about like, well, what is a, what does a good confession kind of look like? And he's a, he's a priest trained in, you know, Ignatian spirituality. It was just beautiful to hear him say it. He, he just goes, well, give an example. He goes, I was really annoyed at some people, you know, over, you know, I have been, I've been annoyed. Well, what's the pattern there? Why have I been like annoyed with these people? Oh, it's because I don't actually trust that, that God's going to, God's going to fill me, but maybe yeah. just one of these times he's not actually faithful, but it's like in those moments where you can accept the no, or you can accept the yes. It's because it's always accepted in the context of God's promise that he's good. Like, and he has, and he has so much in store for us, Yeah, not just someday in the future, but right now he's yeah. like breaking through in our life now. Yeah. Amen. Do I have to like ask you for a blessing now or something? No, well, let's, we're going to do prayer intentions. Oh, good, prayer intentions. I'm going to do the spiel as well. So, okay, um, good. But I do want to say one of the reasons why we're doing kind of a half episode here, just a half an hour episode, is because I'm going to go jump on uh, Father Travis's podcast ah, now. And uh, where's my notes? Okay, uh, it's called Outcast Catholic. We've given you that shout out before. Yeah. So you hopefully have some listeners from our group. Um, I'm going to jump on that now, um, and uh, so then I have a couple other, hopefully, guests that will be coming on soon that you'll be hearing about as these episodes come out. Um, but uh, thank you all for listening, Mother Natalia, my usual co-host. I'm wondering if some people are going to listen to this one just because it's short. 
They probably will. <laughs> Our podcast on Outcast Catholic are like twenty minutes long, so we'll see. We'll see. They might like it if yeah, they're short. Exactly. And to be fair, I I listen I listen to him frequently, um, but I'll usually listen to him in little chunks. Yeah, you know, your guys' episodes because yeah. they're at that hour. At that hour so if you're listening to this, this is your first time listening to a What God Is Not podcast. Normally, Mother Natalia, probably there's a delightful nun on the, the other who end. is the star of the show, really, <laughs> and she's not here um, because she's a nun and I'm at Seek. Um, but yeah, so but um, so we, you can find us on all the platforms. Um, but if you go, if you find us on Apple Podcasts, please do um, rate and review. That is helpful. Um, getting the word out. Um, you can find us on Instagram and on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Potter Michael O. We have a Goodreads page managed by our media team that is incredible. Every time I go over there, I see good work happening over there. What we're reading, what you are reading, we always want to hear that. We have a Patreon if you want to support us and any of uh, the money comes in goes to our nonprofit called Fotina, which is which got me here, got my plane ride, and got my hotel room um, to be able to do this. So thank you to our Fotina benefactors. We also have a portion that goes to the church, some that goes to the poor, some that goes to over minist- other ministries and um, evangelization in the church. Uh, so fotina.org for that. Uh, we have a website, whatgodisnot.com. We have an uh, email, whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are on YouTube as well, but audio only. And I think that's everything. Do you have a? Oh, I'll go do my prayer request. Prayer request. Prayer request. Um, please. Well, gosh, yeah, I just ask for prayers for vocations for the diocese of Sioux City. I'll be be selfish, but I've just been really praying that the Lord open hearts of you know young men. Uh, the reason we have that Outcast Catholic podcast is because we can be kind of kind of distanced in the, in the kind of rural Iowa and stuff, but. Um, yeah, so just please pray. I know that, uh, I think Mother Natalia asked for those prayers recently anyways, and gave me a shout out, but pray for those those guys. And I will ask you all to pray for my niece Shaley, who you also know from a podcast, um, who is here at Seek because she's a college student, but Worcester College in Minnesota, where she is, does not have, at Worcester in Minnesota? In Ohio, excuse me, sorry. Um, in Ohio does not have a focus team. So she's here alone, but she's here with my extended family, um, which is great. And uh, But just pray for her, for her ongoing studies, um, for her participation here, for her faith, for yeah, Shaley Lachlan. And I will give you all a blessing. Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord uh, direct your heart to his true will. May you, with great humility and confidence, may you trust the church, trust the process, trust the way that the Holy Spirit is working, even in all of its awkwardness and the way that we humans always get in the way. Um, may you find strength. May you also speak into that one day if you don't already speak in and may you experience well and in great humility the times when you've had to feel or ha- hear someone say no. Um, I think God's calling you to something else, something greater in a different way. May you also be eloquent about your will and God's will when you have to say no to others. May Lord guide you in everything and give you all his good gifts even the salvation of your soul. May the Lord bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.